Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. Now, there are around 400 million global cases of UTIs, urinary tract infections per year, and they can often persist, but we don't really know why. Researchers in the UK have been using artificial bladders to find out what makes them stick around. Joining me now is Professor Jennifer Roan. She is a professorial research fellow in renal medicine at the University College London and head of the Centre for Urological Biology. Uh, welcome to the programme, Jennifer. That's um, a really interesting area of, of work because I suppose UTIs are really, really common. What exactly yeah. is a UTI? Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, UTI is any infection of the urinary tract. And the urinary tract starts at the kidneys and goes to the bladder and then empties through the urethra. But when you when you hear the term UTI, we're, we're usually referring to the bladder itself. So your water works. Okay. And, and this is men or women? It's men or women. Um, and it's 400 million cases a year. So it's not a trivial thing. But it's it's primarily a disease of women although children can get it and men can get it. But when people become older, it equalizes out a little bit and a lot more men get UTI. Right. And so um, an infection is uh, typically bacterial or viral? That's right. It's typically bacterial. There are a few yeasts like candida, for example, that can cause a UTI. But when you talk about UTI, you're normally thinking about the culprits uh, being bacterial. And what exactly happens to make UTIs a problem? The buildup of bacteria causes what exactly? It's funny you ask that because it, we don't really understand everything that's going on, but essentially the bacteria get up there. They're not supposed to be up there. They're, they land on the bladder surface and they start to divide and colonize and they get they expand to very high numbers. And the host, of course, is not very happy with this and reacts and, it, and it's an inflammatory reaction. And this inflammatory reaction can cause pain, uh, increased urination. Uh, anyone who's ever had a UTI will know the excruciating pain that it can cause. And in older people, it actually causes very bizarre symptoms that nobody really understands, and that's hallucinations, a falls, and a loss of balance, and, and confusion. So UTI is, is, although it's just one sort of type of infection, it can have lots of different um, outcomes for the patient. This is right, because um, you can actually um, start to show symptoms of dementia with a UTI, which I had no idea until um, I was filming a TV show um, this year, that, that actually um, you can have delusion, um, which looks like dementia, that can just come from a bacteria. We, we don't really know why that happens. No, it's probably some interaction between the bacteria and the, and the host, some sort of thing happening. We don't, we don't know. And I mean, it's, you might think that delirium and confusion are, you know, okay, benign, but they're not because this can cause people to do dangerous things. Uh, you know, you can leave the leave the the stove on and forget to turn off the, the gas. You can you can wander out into the street. You can fall over. I mean, it's really a problem for older people. Yeah, um, delirium is the right term, isn't it? Not delusion. You're right, delirium. Um, well, so, either so, <laughs> will work. <laughs> so um, you, you said the bacteria aren't supposed to be there. What do, what do you mean by that? Is, there is some sort of um, immune uh, fall gate that that fails that bacteria gets into the bladder. Is that right? I should back up a little bit. There, there are some friendly bacteria that are always there. Mm. So just like in your gut and your mouth and your skin, uh, we're colonized by lots and lots of bacteria that do all sorts of good things for us. And the bladder actually has a microbiome of sorts. But the bacteria that get into our bladder that shouldn't be there are the ones that come from the gut, from the back passage. 
these guys are not meant to go into the bladder and they get up there through contamination usually. So, you know, especially in women, the back passage is very close to the opening of the urethra. So it's quite easy to get bacteria up there that shouldn't be up there. And that's what I mean. So they're up there. They're actually supposed to be flushed out by urination. Urination, uh, in addition to get rid of, getting rid of all the waste that we have, it also serves a very important purpose of flushing these bad guys out of the bladder. Right. But they're very good at sticking. They're really, really sticky. So the bad guys are especially good at sticking. And that's why it's a problem. So um, how do we normally detect or, or um, diagnose UTIs? Is it, um, is it weeing on a stick? Weeing on a stick is basically the gateway. So if, if you wee on a stick and you have a negative result, you don't normally get sent for further tests. And that's a shame because weeing on a stick is incredibly insensitive. It's in some studies, it's like 50% sensitive, so you might as well flip a coin. Wow. If you have a really bad UTI, you don't need a dipstick to tell you that you're sick. It's very obvious from the urine. But if you have a low-grade infection, these dipsticks are frequently negative. And also, you know, when you, when you have a UTI, the first thing you do is drink loads and loads and loads of water because it gives relief. So mm. This just dilutes out the, the bacteria in your urine and the, the substances in your urine that the dipstick detects. So mm. the more water you drink, the less likely that you're going to test positive. If you don't test positive on that dipstick, many GPs will not send you urine off for the gold standard test, which is called the midstream urine culture. In other words, trying to grow the bugs that are in your urine. Right. And this test is all this test is as old as Alexander Fleming. It was basically developed around 1920s and it hasn't been improved since. It's 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 also quite insensitive. So you can you can get a negative result on this test as well and still be infected. Not to gross people out, but you said it's very clear when you have a bad infection. Um yeah. what is what is what is the symptom of that? Well, your urine so your urine is really cloudy. Okay. That's because all the white blood cells that are coming to the rescue are, are they form a basically a goo pus, basically. Okay. Sorry to be okay. Disgusting. Right. No, I regret asking blood, that immediately. Blood in there and, yeah. yeah, you can stop now. Um, okay. <laughs> so um, you they love me at parties when they ask me what I do, and I tell them. Yeah, I, bet, I, I don't I, have I, many friends. I bet they do. Oh, um, look, there's Fred. Um, <laughs> So talk talk to me about these artificial bladders that you've made. Why can't you just um, uh, research in humans and why do you need an artificial bladder? Well, uh, I'm so glad you asked. I'm super excited by these mini bladders. So they... From from they're not much to look at. From the, they're like the size of a five p coin, and it's sort of a slimy little thing on a on a. I'm, I'm really selling this, aren't I? It's like the size of a five p coin. It's a it's a layer of cells that have formed a little mini bladder, but it's quite big. And we can the the reason why it's so great is we can we can infect this thing mm. and see what happens. You cannot do this in humans. You cannot take a, a population of women and infect them with E. coli or whatever you're trying to test, yeah. and then dissect their bladders and find out what's happened. Hmm. You can do this in mice, but the mouse is a really not a very good model at all for UTI. This is why we decided not to work in animals, but to go straight to trying to design our own human mini bladders that we could grow in the lab and we could completely torture them and do whatever we want with them and not feel bad about it. Yeah, a completely uh, very ethical um, approach. Now, yes. can I ask you, do you, is it just cells in a dish or do you uh, 3D print a sort of structure? Are there different, you know, is it just... Um, cells from uh, a bladder that's been that have been grown, or or is there more to it than that? This isn't your first rodeo, is it? No. <laughs> no you could do some three D printing, and we're actually playing around with that. But actually, they they grow very happily on off the shelf commercial membranes that you can buy, and we use a, basically an off the shelf thing called a transwell, which is made out of polycarbonate, 
which is a nice smooth surface, and the cells really love that. It's got little holes in it because we actually have to feed them from the bottom. We give them growth nutrients from the bottom, and on the top, we add 100% unadulterated human urine, which is the natural substrate of the bacteria. So, you know, you want your bacteria to be floating around in the real thing. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and and, and that, that, that urine is donated by who, if you don't mind me asking? Well, we used to have a whip round in the lab. And Did people, you really? Yeah, but, but now we, we, <laughs> we, we actually buy it at great expense. From <laughs> I'm sorry, what? You buy urine at great expense? Yeah, it's really expensive. Like, uh, and we buy it as quality controlled urine. Now, obviously, they've, they've screened the donors for illnesses and drugs and things. So it's better to use this stuff than who knows what the lab people have been doing the night before. So, you know, we'd like to have nice, clean, uh, quality controlled urine. That is it hilarious. Is so there's someone out there making a fast buck selling their piss. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Okay, so um, you uh, you use these little bladders and it, the, I suppose the question you're trying to find is why, when these are bacterial infections, do they not get um, banished away for good by antibiotics? Because these yes. UTIs can be um, very difficult to get rid of. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the, what's the big mystery about recurrent UTI. You have a very simple... You know, it's a bacteria. It's a very simple bacteria. If you put them in a test tube and you add antibiotics, they will die, no problem. But the minute you go into the bladder, this stops happening. So even a bacteria that sh- is killed on paper, <laughs> you know, you, you've you've tested it in the lab and you know it's supposed to die. It doesn't die in the bladder, and that was one of the things that we were really interested in. Obviously, the bladder is not a test tube. You know, it's a very rich environment with lots of different chemicals, and the you know you've got the host cells there. So it turns out that one of the reasons is the fact that the, the bacteria go inside the bladder wall and hide, and they're no longer able to be contacted by the antibiotics. So they're, they're susceptible to the antibiotics, but they're not accessed. And that is one of the key reasons. Now, this has been known before in mice, and it's been seen a few times in a few papers from from infected women, but no one's ever been able to really study this in a controlled way before. And we really were quite surprised to see the extent of the invasion that was going on with a lot of different uropathogens. So, so what does that tell you? It tells me that if I have a UTI and it's not immediately treated and cleared, these guys will go inside the bladder wall, start basically hiding and, and regrouping and coming out and living to fight another day. So if you don't clobber them right at the beginning, they basically can fester, for, for lack of a better word. They'll, they'll go in They'll hide, and then it's really hard to get rid of them because they're they're in there. The white blood cells can't get in there to hoover them up. The drugs can't get in there to kill them. Eventually, you know, you feel better. You think you're better, but you're not because your your bladder lining is riddled with these pods of bacteria that have not been killed. And when they pop open like alien a few weeks or a few months later, <laughs> you get the UTI all over again. But, 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 but no one has a persistent UTI, right? I mean, these things do get cleared eventually. What, what are they cleared by? No, no, there are people who have a never-ending UTI. Oh, God. Many of them. It's called chronic UTI. It's really poorly studied. We don't even know how many there are out there. I I mean, I've spoken to so many women who have this problem, but nobody's ever done an epidemiological study. The, the, The regulatory NHS body here in the UK doesn't really recognize chronic UTI as something different. Um, but yeah, eventually, many people will clear it. The antibiotics, sometimes they work. It's about one in three recur. And then, you know, if one you in three, that's time, a lot. That's a lot. Yep. So it's a high failure rate. This is another ancient drug, Alexander Fleming, 
and his antibiotics is another 100-year-old. So the 100-year-old diagnosis and the 100-year-old treatment and no, no, no breakthroughs since then, probably because there's been absolutely no interest in studying this disease. And of course, the, the problem with using antibiotics that don't work is this looming disaster ahead of us, which is antimicrobial uh, resistance. Absolutely. I and mean, this keeps me up at night. We have uh, the perfect storm of 400 million cases per annum being treated with antibiotics. One in three of those are re- going to recur, which means they'll have repeated courses of antibiotics. And it's not even clearing the bugs. So, you know, you could be selecting for antimicrobial resistant strains. And it's not just that. It's when you're taking a pill to clear your bladder, you're dosing your entire body. So you're dosing your gut microbiota, your mouth microbiota, your belly button microbiota, whatever microbiota you have. All of those bugs are being exposed to antibiotics and that's going to lead to natural selection of resistant strains. The more you flood the environment with antibiotics, the more you educate the bugs to resist. Yeah. And it's getting worse and worse. And, and UTI is a huge driver of that just because the sheer number of prescriptions that are that are dispensed each year. How much is a litre of commercial urine? Oh, God. I think it's like 500 quid. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? I know. 500 pounds for a litre of clean urine. I think you're in the wrong job. I... I... <laughs> I can help you out. I'm sure there are lots of people who listen to this program who would very willingly sell their urine for two hundred pounds. I think we 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 could we should speak up the program. I, I have to say this is way. I mean, it's it's very interesting, very important, and way more interesting than it, it may sound when we talk. We said we were going to be talking about UTIs. I've absolutely loved this. I'm going to ask you one last question, and it is a rather personal one. But um, as a urologist, I mean. After the first thousand penises and vaginas that you've had to see, does it get really boring? Like, do you just see it as like a paper cup or a pencil? Or you know, can you still better. get excited I, about it? I've got a great answer, which is that I'm not a urologist. I'm not. So I am a scientist. I don't have to deal with... Oh, I with see. These. Oh, they're, So they're still exciting they, for you. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am, you know, I am an in the lab kind of girl. We do all our stuff in the lab. I do have lots of uh, colleagues, and I've, I've been in theater, and I've observed some really amazingly scary procedures. And I mean, I have a lot of awe for, for surgeons. They're just, urological surgeons are amazing. I am not one. Well, that's that's fantastic. I mean, head of the Center of Urology, Urological Biology, and you don't have to... Um you don't have to get in uh, too dirty with your hands. That's, that's an amazing nope. achievement. Um, professor, there's an awful lot of we around. And so it sounds like uh, Professor Jennifer Roan, uh, Professorial Research Fellow in Renal Medicine at UCL and Head of the Centre for Urological Biology. Thank you so much for your time. That was brilliant. Oh, you're welcome. Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk.